Have you ever wondered the science behind why a spa is so relaxing, why it makes you want to just breathe a little deeper and not think about the world outside of it, while a gym revs you up and gives you energy and gets you to move and focus and do more? Or maybe you've wondered why you can enter one person's house and feel so at home, so relaxed, so comforted, like you can take off your shoes, kick up your feet and drink a glass of sweet tea, while other homes you enter into and they feel cold and sterile. On today's podcast, we are going to be talking with Dr. Sally Augustine, who is an environmental psychologist who studies some fascinating things, such as why we as humans enjoy the environments that we do and how we can set up our environments to be conducive to the outcome that we want in them. So how can you make your home more inviting, more relaxing, more comfortable? How can you make your gym more positive, more encouraging, more motivating for you? How can you make your office space more efficient to where you will want to be more efficient and more creative in it? In this episode, Dr. Augustine explains to us the colors that matter and why we should be very mindful at even the color that we look at when we're doing creative things versus the color that we should look at when we are wanting to do more analytical things. We talk about the science behind scent. We talk about floor plans, ceiling height. We talk about even the shape of furniture. All of these things can make a difference into our environment that we are in, and we can actually set our environment to help us become the most attractive that we can be simply by being mindful of what we put in it. Welcome to It Starts With Attraction. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. Friends, I am so excited to get started with our interview with Dr. Augustine today. It was fantastic talking to her and having her. But first, I want to ask you to be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and please give it a review. That helps us to reach more people and get this announcement of the pies out to the world. And you can always share it with a friend. You can share it through Instagram, Facebook, whatever it might be. And you can subscribe on any platform that you follow, whether that's Apple or Google Play or whatever other podcast platforms there are. Well, you guys be sure again to subscribe and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you. Now let's jump into this interview with Dr. Sally Augustine. I know that you're going to love it. Well, Dr. Augustine, how did you get started in researching how design affects people? I got started um, in in this um, uh, line of work because um, I was um, working on um, retail design projects. Um, I have an MBA from Northwestern with a major in finance and marketing, and I got um, involved, you know, serendipitously for me in um, retail design projects as the management 
type. And I got um, more and more interested over time how um, physical environments in stores influenced how people traveled through them, what they purchased, etc. And eventually I got so intrigued that I went back to school and got a PhD in psych. And um, as um, good education is supposed to do, <laughs> going back to school broadened my perspectives. Um, when I had returned to school, I thought that I would um, probably graduate and uh, just be better informed about creating uh, retail environments. But um, as I was um, studying, I became um, uh, interested in other sorts of places as well, workplaces, homes, etc. And now I make recommendations to people designing all sorts of different places and objects or services based on environmental psych research. Mm. It's so fascinating. I was reading through on your website, reading through some of the articles that were there, reading through other things you had helped publish on HuffPost and different places like that. And there really is, I mean, the more articles I saw that you had written, I thought, oh my goodness, there's so much more to this than than meets the eye than you would typically think. I, I remember there was one part that was talking about how emotions and behavior can be affected by design and colors. Can you explain more about what that means? Sure. I, I think um, it is um, sometimes startling to people that there is so much research uh, out there, so much rigorously com- uh, conducted research uh, that links aspects of the world around us to what goes on in, in, in our heads. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think your reaction to the um, breadth of information available um, is, 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 is pretty standard. Now, specifically in terms of color, when we're thinking about color and its influence on what goes on in our heads, we have to think about three different uh, components of any color. Color has um, a saturation and a brightness and a hue. And, you know, hues are um, families of wavelengths that we group together by common names, like blue, green, red, uh, for example. Uh, Saturation is um, how um, uh, grayed out a color is, if, you know, for, um, to to, to use a description of Mm, what mm -hmm. saturation is. Um, So um, colors that are saturated are uh, actually, you know, you can think of it as closer to the way you normally uh, think of of them, so um, of a hue. So, uh, you know, uh, Kelly green is a very saturated green, and it's pretty close to the stereotype for um, green. Um, But less saturated colors are more um, grayed out, if you will. Um, Like a, so a Mm -hmm. sage green, you know, is, is a less saturated green. And surprisingly enough, brightness, lightness are exactly what they sound like. And uh, you can think of it as how much white there is mixed into a color. So if you want to think about the emotional implications and and the cognitive implications of seeing various colors, you have to think about um, saturation, brightness, and hue. And we find that the colors that are most relaxing for people to look at are those that are not very saturated, but are relatively bright. So, you know, if you're thinking about what color to paint your bedroom or a place where you want people to be able to relax and hang out together, you'd want to use a color that's not very saturated and relatively bright. So if you think of that like sage green that I was mentioning Mm -hmm. uh, before and 
um, add a tremendous amount of white paint to it. So you get a very light sage green. That's a great color for a room where you want people to relax. And there's, you know, a, a sort of dusty blue that's like that green. And, you know, there are some dusty, warm, peachy colors that also fit that bill in terms of relaxing. If you want to create a space where people feel all revved up, maybe, you know, in your laundry room, um, you know, depending on your relationship with your washing machine and how you right. feel laundry in general, you know, um, but, you know, you might want people to be feel really energized in the laundry room or when they're working out. In those oh. cases, you want people to be looking at colors that are um, saturated, but not so bright. So that would be like that Kelly green that I've mentioned before. And we also have very special relationships with some colors like seeing the color red gives us a burst of strength. So that could be a good color to paint like the wall you look at while you're lifting weights and we get this burst of strength over and over. Um, uh, but so red is great for giving you a burst of strength, you know, physical strength, but it, um, degrades our analytical performance. So you don't want to be looking at red while like you're, tax season, we can use the tax example. You don't want to be looking at red while you're um, completing your tax forms, probably. Uh, Now, looking at greens, all the greens has been shown to um, boost our creative performance. So, well, I guess it depends on, you know, what's going on with your taxes. Maybe you'd want to be looking at uh, while you're doing your taxes, if you're trying to come up with um, some sort of clever solution to um, you know, a, a, an issue, a tax-related issue. But green is also a great color for um, uh, spaces where you know, you're trying to do creative writing or come up with new advertising slogans, etc. You know, so in, in, a, in, a, um, in your home office, you know, to be relaxed, but in a state that's good for creative thinking, you'd want, you know, that a sage green that mixed with the white that I was talking about a few moments ago. Mm-hmm. And do these things have to be painted on walls or can you just have things around you that are these colors that stimulate the same way? It, it really doesn't matter how you see the color so much, as long as you do see it, you know, when we're, um, uh, in a space, all the various sensory experiences that we're having there sort of combine in our head to produce an overall emotional, cognitive, etc. response to the space. And uh, since walls are usually the biggest, um, uh, you know, the largest amount of mm-hmm. surface color you'll see in a room, they can have a very powerful effect on, on you. But, um, you know, if, um, uh, you're seeing greens in upholstery and things like that, um, you know, they would have the same effect inside your head as a green on a wall, but you need to think about the overall experience of being in a space and sort of add up your various color experiences and how they will affect you to get the overall, um, uh, repercussions of the of various colors in a space. Hmm. Now let's talk about sounds. So you, there was a lot as well where um, it was mentioning how different sounds can delight us or frustrate us or help us concentrate. And, you know, typically I've always thought the less noise, the better in order to, to be able to 
just be more relaxed and, and concentrate. But what are those noises that do delight us? What are the ones that can frustrate us? Sure. Um, sound is um, uh, sometimes a puzzle to people. And you have to um, understand right off the bat that um, uh, just as a space that's really loud can make us um, feel stress, a space that's um, uh, that we perceive as too quiet is also stressful to us. So you're looking for a, a happy mm-hmm. medium. Our ears didn't uh, develop in, you know, a, a super quiet space, you know, uh, you know, they evolved mm-hmm. in, the, in the natural world. So we like certain sorts of sounds that are um, uh, around us today. And, you know, our brains perform in different ways and different sorts of sounds. So for example, um, uh, hearing, um, a more regular, um, like rhythmic sound, um, can be less stressful to us than, um, uh, hearing intermittent noise, particularly if that intermittent noise is something that, um, uh, we feel we need to process because it might have something to do with us. So, you know, if you're in a, in a work environment and, you have, um, like, say, say you're at home and you have it's warmer weather and you have a fan around you that is making, you know, a very predictable sound. You know, as the blades rotate, uh, that that actually can create a white noise effect that um, can um, help you, uh, you know, um, ignore other sounds around you. But if every so often um, someone is speaking near you, you know, say in a, in a in a workplace environment, well, that you know, unpredictable speaking, particularly since you need to monitor to make sure it's not about you, well, that can really up your stress levels. And I care about stress because I care about people, but also when you're um, stressed, a little part of your brain is always trying to um, deal with that stressful situation and understand it better. So, you know, you don't have all your mental faculties, if you will, uh, focused on what you need to accomplish. And one sort of sound that can be particularly desirable for people to hear, um, a sound that's really um, relaxing and mentally refreshing, are nature sounds. Huh. And um, these are the sounds that you might hear in uh, a, a, a lovely meadow on a wonderful spring day. So these sorts of sounds are like a burbling brook, a gently flowing brook, um, uh, tree, uh, leaves that are uh, quietly rustling in a faint wind, um, birds that um, uh, seem to be having a great day and are um, calling out to each other. So, you know, if you think about the sounds, you know, you might hear in, 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 in like in a forest clearing, um, uh, that's, that's what you're trying to uh, um, those are the sounds that are most positive to you. You don't want like hurricane, the sound of like hurricane winds, you know, uh, you know rushing past mm-hmm. you or um, dangerous sounding water or parrots screeching at each other in, in a sound that signals danger. You know, you want what you might hear on a, um, a very peaceful, pleasant, good weather type day. And these sounds um, are readily available, all sorts of different um, uh, online sites stream them and things like that. 
and you want them uh, playing uh, quietly in the in the background of of, of wherever you are. You, you wouldn't want somebody uh, uh, to walk into you know your home office and say, "Hey, what's up here?" You know, like is the window open? And even uh-huh. though it's January, whatever, what's going on? You don't want that response. You want you know people to um, after they're been in the space for a while and sort of have settled in to start to notice these sounds in, in, in the world around them. So, um, you know, you want to be careful with volumes always with your soundscapes as well. Even as you were speaking about the birds and the rustling leaves, I, I felt calmer. Just you talking about what those sound like. I said, yes, that sounds, those are it amazing. I mean, it does work. This is the science, you know, and it's been rigorously derived, you know, in, re- in repeated projects, you know, in labs and then in real world contexts. You know, there are really very consistent relationships between things that happen in the world around us and what goes on in our heads. Mm, so fascinating. So what about smells and shapes and how open a room is versus how closed it is? How do those different things affect us? Sure. Um, well, um, first um, I can talk about shapes. Um, we find um, curvy shapes relaxing generally and more angular shapes um, rest up and we associate them with efficiency. So I was just in a post office in Finland and, um, you know, all of the, um, the graphics on the walls and, you know, um, the, the different uh, counters and things like that were very angular straight lines that meant at right angles. And that was perfect for a post office because, well, most of us want to move through the post office as quickly as possible. So it's mm-hmm. great sending signals that the place is efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, you will have a different effect you're trying to create in your, in your home um, where you want people to relax. So in your home, you want to have relatively more curvy shapes than rectilinear shapes. And, you know, no matter where you're creating an environment or um, uh, what your, um, uh, you know, what, 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 you know, what, what sort of place you're, you're, you're working on or what sort of object you're working with. Um, you need to remember that no place is entirely filled with curvy lines or entirely filled with rectilinear lines, you know, a place that meet it like sharp angles, a place that's, you know, more of those straight lines and, and sharp angles that actually is a lot often like um, uh, the sets of, you know, horror movies set in space, for example, um, and and a space that's entirely curvilinear brings to mind things like television cartoons. So you're always looking mm. for a happy medium, but we'll be more comfortable and, and relaxed in a space that features relatively more curvy lines than than straight ones. Um, uh, in terms of sense, there are um, particular odors that. Um, in, in studies across um, cultures, you know, people living in different parts of the world, et cetera, have been linked to um, different sorts of outcomes. For example, um, research has shown uh, that the smell of lavender really is relaxing to us. So it's a great smell um, to use um, uh, near or in your pillow while you'll be falling asleep at night. Um, the smell of lemon has um, been shown 
enhance our cognitive performance. So, you know, you might want to um, uh, add something that smells like lemon to your um, uh, workplace at, at home or at work or in it, in, in it work if uh, you can't um, add odors, which is regularly the case in a, in a public space. You know, you could do something like um, uh, suck on lemon head candies while you're um, working in the, um, the, the lemon in your mouth will be something that will be perceived um, uh, by your olfactory system and um, influence um, uh, your, your performance. Uh, you know, so there are scents that have been shown to um, uh, directly um, influence us in very specific ways. And more generally, when you're thinking about scenting your environment, and by the way, you always want scent to be extraordinarily subtle. You um, you want um, people not to um, be aware of it when they enter a space, um, and you can fine tune um, uh, over time to make sure that the scent you're using is is indeed subtle. But um, you know, I, I I wanted to make the a general point of scent um, before I um, got off topic there for a moment. Um, you should surround yourself with um, scents that you find positive and link to desirable experiences in your life. You know, so for example, um, lavender is a generally relaxing scent. Um, uh, But if you have associations to say honeysuckle as a relaxing scent or jasmine say as a relaxing scent, because, um, uh, on your grandma's front porch where you used to hang out during the summers and just, you know, when you were a kid and just be able to rest and de- decompress. Well, if that area was covered with jasmine vines, you, you yourself will um, as- associate jasmine with relaxation. It will be a relaxing scent for you. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, if, if when you um, ask yourself honestly about scents you find relaxing, if nothing comes to mind, definitely add lavender to your environment. But if you can recall like uh, uh, an example from your past, like the the grandmother um, front porch um, uh, scenario I just outlined, well, make sure to use the scent associated with that um, experience in the spaces that um, that surround you when you need to relax. Um, And then in terms of open or closed environments, this is where um, things like personality start to come into play. Um, There are some general responses in terms of open and closed, like um, we um, are extraordinarily comfortable and our minds work particularly well when we're in a space um, uh, where we feel protected, but we have a view out over the world around us. So um, uh, an example of this is, um, where we feel protected but have a view out over the world is a restaurant booth, for example. When you're in a restaurant booth, um, uh, generally the backs come up pretty high, so that gives you know give you a feeling of security, but you can see into the world around you. Um, similarly, if you're sitting in a in a high back chair and have a, a, a view out over the nearby environment, um, that's a relaxing and comfortable and productive place for you to be. Um, uh, you know, any sort of um, space like um, uh, uh, 
a, a seat um, that's in a niche niche in 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 a wall um, from which you can see people traveling nearby. That works out well too. So does um, a, a window seat where um, you can like lean against the side of the window, but you have a view out over the world around you. That's the sort of space where you feel really comfortable. Even like a canopy bed, um, you know, that can give you a feeling of security, you know, in the bed, but you would, if the curtains on the bed are open, you know, you can survey the world around you from a place where you feel comfortable and secure. But um, personality comes into play in terms of um, uh, relative amount of openness. Um, from my perspective as an environmental psychologist, um, the most important difference between, or one of the most important differences between extroverts and introverts is how well they process the sensory information that they receive from the world around themselves. Extroverts um, don't actually do as good a job at processing all the sights and sounds, etc., that they experience in, uh, that, that, that um, fill their world. Um, so therefore they prefer a more sensory rich environment while introverts actually do a better job at processing all the sights and sounds and smells, hmm. things like that, that surround them. So it's important for them to have a more carefully curated environment in order, you know, to hmm. boost their mood and, and, and things like that. So, you know, a person who's extroverted prefers a much more open environment, mm -hmm. you know, uh, than somebody who's introverted. And um, you can see this um, uh, play out in uh, things like um, television shows where people are doing home makeovers. Um, often the people who are potential purchasers walk into a house and start to talk about um, knocking down all sorts of walls and, 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 and things like that. And um, uh, that makes sense because being on television shows, uh, you know, is something that is probably more um, consistent with an extrovert personality than an introvert personality. Not that everybody okay. on shows is extroverted or introverted. We're talking about like a broad generalization here, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, so uh, extroverts love um, an, an open uh, space um, where they can see from one area to another where introverts would prefer, prefer a more segmented um, in, in environment. Um, and all my, in my conversation, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, reasonableness here. Nobody wants to be, you know, in a, in a, in a space that's like just larger than they are, for example, sure. that's claustrophobic for everyone. So, you know, sure. we're talking about, um, uh, relative experiences in um, spaces that, um, you know, uh, meet our basic standards in the Western world for, um, for places to spend time. Mm -hmm. I can totally see that. A few years ago when my husband and I were looking for houses, I didn't consciously realize it until we had seen several, but I realized that every time we went into a house that did not have super high ceilings when you walked into the door, yeah. I, I, I automatically hated it. I didn't even want to see the rest of it and it felt too confining to me. And so, and I'm more of an extrovert than my husband is, whereas he wasn't necessarily as bothered by it. So I can definitely see how that feeling of openness 
transpires in that in that arena. Right, and ceiling height is an interesting issue generally because that does also tie to some extent to our height. Hmm. You know, I'm I'm very tall. I'm six two, so um, you know, I'm always interested in in the higher ceiling. And anybody my height would be interested in a slightly higher ceiling just because of sure. our head height. But there is a a, a, um, a, a feeling um, that's generated by the ceiling height. You know, when it gets too high, then it, uh, space gets a sort of formal feeling. So mm. people don't have as comfortable uh, experience just hanging out with each other there. That's why a lot of the McMansion, you know, family rooms, you know, the ones with those super high often vaulted ceilings. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why people don't often have uh, good times in those spaces because mm-hmm. uh, they're in them. Uh, when we talk to each other, our sound, uh, the, uh, our, our voices, the sounds we make bounce off all the surfaces in, 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 in the room. When the ceiling is really high, you know, the people you're interacting with sound more formal to you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, this is just how our sensory apparatus work. And when people you're speaking with seem more formal, you would, you reciprocate and act in a more formal way. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, that um, experience that, you know, people have imagined with everybody hanging out on the couch together, watching a, you know, a, a cool movie on TV, you know, isn't like people hanging out together, having a good time anymore. It's more like, almost like a panel of reviewers or something like that. You've moved hmm. from collegial, family, familial sort of situation to one that's much more formal. Interesting. Well, Dr. Augustine, this is absolutely amazing. Where can our audience find more about what you do, follow you, and and learn more about all of this? Sure. Um, I um, have um, uh, my own firm, which is Design with Science, where I um, – work implementing this science, you know, making recommendations to groups, individuals, et cetera, designing um, places and objects and services. And I also um, uh, um, have, have a book that came out in 2019 that um, will interest lots of your readers called Designology, which was oh. published by um, Mango. And um, I enjoy speaking with, with people. Um, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. So um, give me a call. <laughs> that is fantastic. I love this. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Augustine. And I can't wait. I'm going to get that book because I want to know much more about this. I, I've loved it. I've loved speaking with you and I appreciate you sharing with our audience. Well, I'm glad I've had a chance to be with you today and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. That would be great. Well, stay healthy, stay safe. Same to you. All right. Thank you. Here are the key pies takeaways from this episode with Dr. Augustine. The first one is be mindful of your environment. What is the end result that you want for the space that you're in? Start with the end in mind and work backwards. So for your home, you might want comfort and relaxation in that area. So pick those colors that bring that Zen feeling, maybe those lighter blues or those softer greens that Dr. Augustine was talking about. 
pick the scents that give you that sense of home and comfort and even good memories from your childhood. I know for me, it was the smell of honeysuckles, the smell of fresh baked pound cakes that my mom would make or really any Southern food. And look to find those things to fill your home with, including comfortable chairs, curvier items that give a sense of come in, sit a while and stay. But maybe for work, you want to focus on focus and efficiency, where you bring those colors like Dr. Augustine was talking about. If you're trying to be analytical, then focus on something that's green. Depending on the type of work that you do, build your office or the space that you work in the most to bring about the ideal result that you want during the time that you're working. Focus on having a structure inside of your office that leads to efficiency. Maybe you don't want a couch in there because you don't want to get too comfortable. You want to be efficient, focused while you are trying to get the job done. And for your gym, you want to focus on energy and drive. Maybe that's a garage gym or just an area in your house that you tend to work out more, or maybe you just like to go on walks. So instead of focusing on that space in your home that you can focus on design with, maybe you're focusing on the things that you're wearing to keep you energetic and driven to finish the workout that you're doing. Focus on having those bright colors, those that music, that loud music, or even scents like citrus that can really get you moving. But remember what tops everything is what brings positive memories for you. Things that make you feel good are worth the investment if you then are more likely to do the things that you want to do. It's better for you to spend a little more on the couch that you just love and believe would look so good in your space and is so comfortable. And you could see your family all joined around or sitting on it, watching a family movie together. If it costs a little more money, it's worth it. If you're going to want to be around your family more using it. It's worth spending a little bit more on your running shoes if the fact that you have a red pair gets you more excited to put them on than the plain white pair. So focus on your end result and do what it takes to create your environment in such a way that you will want to get it done with what you have put in your environment. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong. Thank you.